We are here to worship together in the beginning of this Advent season, and, and I just want to start um, by, by saying it's good to be with you, and, and I, I don't know what you've got going on in your life. I know you've got a lot going on in your life. I know that we are more busy than we should be most times, um, but I just want to say that today is an opportunity for the people of God to come together and just worship together, and so we're going to... We're going to look at God's Word here in a second. I, I want to confess to you that this, I, I kind of just feel like like all over the place. I, I haven't spoken the last two weeks um, because of being sick, and then here I am, and then I'm up here after the first song, and I just feel like I'm going to need your help, okay? We're going to need to get some life going here because um, I, I just need some help um, getting going here. So we're going to talk about hope today. Um, Jay lit the hope candle, the Advent candle of hope. And so, so today we're talking about hope, so I want you to turn to someone near you and I want you to say hope. Say it happy, like hope. That's a good thing. All right, now, now we're going to get a little more creative and, and I want you to get involved here. I want you to turn to somebody around you and I, wanna, I want you to tell them the last thing that you hoped for. Or if you'd rather do it this way, what you think of when you think of hope. Go ahead. What, what, what have you hoped for? What do you hope for? Go ahead and share it. If you're online, you can type it in. We'd love to hear um, what hope means to you, what you've hoped for. I, I love it, by the way, when I ask you to share something and then I can hear you guys doing it. That is so nice. Thank you for participating. And so, so today we're talking about hope. And in Scripture, we're going to be um, looking at kind of a, a contrast today. In Scripture, there's this contrast between um, darkness and light. And so, so we celebrate during Advent the light that Christ brings that represents hope. And so today we talk about hope. The question I have for you is where do we find our hope? Where do we find our hope in this world? Let, let's just be honest. There is a lot of stuff in our world that is broken, that's messed up. There's, there, are, there are things that are filled with darkness. Where do we find hope? I was thinking just kind of having some fun with this. I, for some of us, we find hope in uh, sports. Anyone find their hope in sports sometimes? I love sports way more than I should. Um, but I used to work in, after college, I worked a couple years or during college in factories in, around here in Cincinnati, and I loved the beginning of the season. There, there's a saying they have in sports that at the beginning of the season, everybody's undefeated. Like at the first game of the season, nobody's lost, and everybody is still alive for the championship. There is hope. I mean, most of the time, like there are certain teams that you know aren't going to be any good, but you still have that hope that maybe something works out. And I remember working in the factories, and I remember like the beginning of the red season, the beginning of the Bengals season, everyone would be like, man, this is our year, we're going to do it, and think maybe we even started off pretty good, and there was this, this hope in the air about sports. And then it didn't take long before that hope had kind of evaporated. And once again, we didn't live up. If you're a Cincinnati sports fan, more often than not, if your hope is in sports, you're disappointed. You missed it. So I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's better than being in Detroit, right? But, but it's, just, it's just a fact of life. If our hope is in sports, it, it, it's going to leave us disappointed. Another thing I think of when I think of hope, sometimes I go over and visit people at the hospital across the street, UC Health. Anyone know what their slogan is? 
in science lives hope. The idea there is that, that if, if we just trust science, science is the hope that we need, we have hope because science is going to figure it all out and everything is going to be okay. But let's just acknowledge that over the last two years we've learned that we can't figure it all out. And, and that science, while science is, I don't want to say anything, I'm, I'm good with science. It's a good, I believe God gives us minds and brains to think and work, and God gives us gifts to use to help. And science is a great thing, but if your hope is in science, it doesn't take much to throw everything out of whack. Maybe it's technology. This is another fun one. I, we, we were watching commercials the other day, and Charlie and I were watching this commercial, and any... Uh, I'm just interested in it. Anyone have a self-driving car in here? Anybody? There's this, there's this commercial for a truck, and I, maybe you've seen this commercial, but they're driving along, and all of a sudden, the guy takes his hands off the wheel and, you know, starts clapping on his knees and clapping his hands, and the whole point of this is that if you get this truck, you don't have to drive anymore, because the truck will drive for you. You gotta have a lot of hope in technology to trust, in fact, in the commercial, it's driving over a bridge and the guy doesn't, have, and Charlie's like, you need to get one of those trucks, then you don't even have to worry about driving, you can watch TV or play games or whatever, and I said, there is no way that I'm taking my hands off the wheel when I'm going over a bridge. I don't put hope in technology that much. Uh, there was, uh, there's a story that I'm gonna share at the end of the message. Um, and, and I don't mean to be a downer today. All of those things that we can put our hope in are, as Jay said in the, in the earlier spoken word, they're lifeless things that cannot possibly bring us hope. But time and time again, we fall into this trap of putting our hope in lifeless things. So in 1912, um, any of you know what happened in 1912? They, they decided they were going to build the, this amazing ship. And this ship represented hope for a lot of different reasons. And that ship the, is named the Titanic. And the idea behind this ship, for some people, it was the hope of security, that this ship was unsinkable. In a time where, where ships would sink and things would happen and it was unsafe to travel that way, this ship was the hope of all of it because it couldn't be sunk. For some people, it was, just, it was just an opportunity to experience life in a way that they never could. So they had the hope of experiencing a different kind of life. And so you know how this story goes. Over 2,200 people got on board this ship that they put their hope and their trust in. It was unsinkable. It was, it was the perfect ship. And just like Cincinnati sports teams and all the other lifeless things we put our hope in, it, it let them down. I've, I've got a good story that, that I'll share later with that. But, but I want to look at, at Psalm 25 today. And, and this is a Psalm of David. So um, King David wrote this Psalm. And so I want you to stand with me and we're going to read Psalm 25. And the question we're going to go back to is where do we find hope in this world? So Psalm 25, starting in verse 1, says, In you... Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. 
nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old, from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. You can have a seat. So this is the first Sunday of Advent, and we light the hope candle that symbolizes that Jesus brought hope to our world, hope for us. Where do we find hope? We find hope in the living God, the eternal living God. There's a lot of different places you can put your hope. If they're in lifeless things, there's only one place that you truly have eternal hope that will never fail, and that's in God. So this is a Psalm of David. David's writing this, and, um, and he's going through some dark times. Now think about this. A lot of the things that we put our hope in, whether it's you know, fame or whether it's power, we, we like control, control something that a lot of times we put our hope in. A lot of those things, think about who's writing this. This is King David. So David has all of the wealth, all of the power, all of the control, like he's got everything that he possibly could have. You would think if there was someone who could have hope in a place other than God, it would be King David. But it, he's writing this from a place of darkness and brokenness. And they don't know when David wrote this because there were so many times that he experienced darkness and brokenness. Listen, if hope came from money, King David never would have lived in darkness. If it came from control or power, King David wouldn't have lived in darkness. But listen to what he says in verse 16 through 21. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life. Does that sound like a guy who's got all the power and all the control and all the, the wealth? I mean, does that, does that sound good? He's in anguish. He's distressed. He's lonely. Let me just ask you a question. Have any of you ever been there? Do you ever get discouraged by the darkness around you? Maybe it's just the, the climate of the world around us. Maybe it's, maybe it's relationships that have, have gone wrong. Maybe it's that you've put your hope in lifeless things and ended up missing it. That's where David is when he writes this. Uh, and so the, the scripture has this, this contrast between darkness and light, and David is living 
and darkness. I just got over being sick, and one of, the, one of the things that I experienced when I was sick was I had really bad headaches and fever, and so for about five days, I just had to be in the room, in bed, with pillows stacked on my head. I mean, I just, I had to be in darkness, and, and occasionally, I mean, I've gotten headaches quite a bit before. I'll get these migraines, and sometimes I, I get these headaches, and, and literally, it just, it has to be dark, and I have to have, like, pressure. I mean, it's just awful, and there are these moments that I just think, man, is this ever going to end? I was sick for five days. I've been around 40 years, five days. And I felt like the darkness had closed in all around me, and I started to feel a little hopeless. Felt like I was swallowed up by the darkness. That's a, that's a reality in a lot of our lives, isn't it? But where do we turn? What do we do? David says, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. So the first point here is this. The only place we can put our hope that we know will never fail us is in God. God is our hope. God is our light. So David says, in you, Lord my God, I put my trust. But this is more than just, I, this is more than just like a wishful trust or a wishful hope. This is more than just, hey God, I, I'm, I'm going to trust that maybe things will work out. What, what David's really saying here is, in you, Lord, I, I give my life. I trust you completely. I surrender. This is more than just a, I hope, I wish I would get that present. I wish things would work out. I wish this pandemic would end. I wish, this is, this is a, a statement of surrender. This is David saying, I know that nothing else can give me eternal hope, so I lay everything at your feet. I'm completely yours. I offer you my life, Lord. The devotional this week um, uses a different translation that says, I offer my life to you, Lord. See, most of the time when we think about hope, we think about hope being something that, that comes with more power or more control or more security or more of more. What, what David's saying is, I hope in you, by surrendering, by giving up. See, David knows that, that if it's more of him, it's more darkness. More often than not, he's in darkness because he's broken. And so, so he says, I surrender completely to you because my only hope is in you. So David continues in verse 3. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Now, the word shame here is not, it's not like the scarlet letter shame. It's not the shame like, like people look down on you. The shame, the word shame here, it says, no one who hopes in God will ever be put to shame. The, that word means that, that they will never be let down. They will never end up empty. If we put our hope in God, we will never end up lost and broken and, and so there, there's, um, I've been lately, when I was in COVID, I haven't played video games in a long time. I used to play a lot of video games. You're going to learn a lot about me today, okay? Because I haven't talked in a few weeks, and, and I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I haven't played video games in a long time, but while I was down with COVID, I decided, you know, I'm going to get a video game that I used to play, and I'm going to start. So a couple of the kids and I have started playing this, this video game. We play soccer on the Xbox, and I, I just, I just want to tell you, I used to be pretty good 
at, at soccer on the Xbox. I was terrible in real life. I played soccer for one year, and my team scored one goal on our own goal. That's how good I was at soccer. But on the Xbox, I was pretty good. And, and so I've been playing with the kids, and they're just now learning. And, and so we were playing, and, and what, what happens is they would start playing the computer, and if they got into trouble, they would hand me the controller, and I would go win, and it was, they could put their trust in me because I was going to beat the computer. And, and one day this week, <laughs> I, I, Charlie was playing the computer, and he got in a little trouble, and he handed me the controller, and all of a sudden, something terrible happened. I started to get beat worse and worse by the computer. And it was like my son had lost all trust and hope in me, like, I thought I could trust you to bail me out. No one who hopes in God will ever be lost, will ever be put to shame, but if you put your trust in anything else, even my incredible Xbox soccer skills, you will be let down. And so no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Does this mean life's going to be perfect? No. But God will never fail us. Does it mean you're going to have everything materially that you want? Does it mean that you're never going to have something bad happen to you? No. But it means God is faithful always. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. So number one, God is our hope, and we surrender to hope, to God. We surrender our lives, because on our own, we can never get past the darkness. We were born into darkness. The only hope we have is in Christ. So there's this shift in the text here from verse 3 to verse 4. In verse 4, it goes from, God, I put my hope in you, I put my trust in you, to this, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Let me, let me paint this picture for you. Our God is not like the idols of old. Our God is not a lifeless object. It's not just a light switch that we turn on. Our God, the hope that we have in God, is not something we put up on the mantle. Yes, we celebrate it with a candle and we light it, and it's a symbol, but our God is not, the hope we have in Christ is not just a candle that we set to light up a room for a little bit. The hope of Christ is something that is meant to, to be a part of us, to change us, to transform us. And so David says, I put my trust, my hope in you. And then he says, show me your ways, teach me your past, guide me in your truth, for my hope is in you. What David's saying is, I don't want to just see, I don't want to just hope for, I don't want to just put that over in the corner. God, I want you to change me. I want you to fill me with your light and your hope. See, Jesus coming to earth was God becoming flesh, the incarnation, so that we could have hope and light and life. And in John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in John 8, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so hope in the light of Christ is not just something we observe. 
It's meant to change us. So number one, God is our hope. We surrender to hope, to God. But number two, God doesn't just save us from the darkness. God doesn't just light up a room of the darkness. God transforms us into light. God fills us with light. See, we are a part. We were born into the darkness. Every single one of us was born with sinfulness and selfishness that contribute to the darkness around us. But God's plan isn't just to light up our lives or a room. God's plan is to change us for the hope in the light of Christ to live in us. So when Jesus went to heaven after he rose from the dead, he said, there will be one that comes after me, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will live in you, and the light of the world, the hope of the world, will live in you. And so David doesn't just say, oh, I trust you, I put my hope in you. David says, show me your ways, teach me your paths. Teach me your light, your hope. See, it's not enough just to, to see the light. I talked about the darkness. I talked about the, the five days of just being down with pillows on my head in the darkness. It's not enough just to see light. There's, you have to surrender. You have to be changed by it. This is a, there's an ongoing battle in our house. I, I, you're going to get to know me a little bit better now. I, there's a battle over blinds. Anyone have a battle over blinds in their house? Anybody? I always want the blinds closed. Like if it were up to me, the blinds would never be open. I don't want other people seeing me. I don't want them seeing my business. I don't want them seeing what's happening. I don't want the light coming in from outside. Like I just want to be inside. Megan wants the the shades to be open. So sometimes I wake up and I come downstairs and there's just this, I think I might be a vampire, but like I come downstairs and there's just light everywhere and it's like, ah, close those things. It's not enough just to have light. You have to surrender to it. You have to open it up. And man, after five days of being in darkness and, and pain, I, I kind of had gotten used to the darkness. And, and you know, it's good to come out into the light every once in a while and to be changed by the light. And so show me your ways, Lord. Guide me in your paths. The hope of Advent is not just that one day Christ will bring hope and light, but that we will be filled with it and changed by it. The very light of the world lives in you. So verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. He guides the humble in what is right. L let me tell you about yesterday. Um, two weeks I sat at home. I got kind of used to being at home. I got kind of used to resting. I got kind of used to, you know, darkness. And another thing you need to know about me is I really don't love to go out and do a lot of things. I'm kind of a homebody. And so yesterday we had something on our plans. We were going to go to a movie with some family. And, and college football was on. And I had kind of got used to being at home. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, there was kind of some darkness and I kind of had a bad attitude. And, and I know I'm not fun to be around when I'm being selfish. 
And yesterday I was in a place where I was being selfish. And I had to understand that the light of Christ is not something I can come celebrate on Sunday and then go ignore during the week. And so I had to say to myself and to God yesterday, I know this is silly, I, I know it seems like nothing, but my attitude was filled with darkness and I had to say, God, I don't wanna live in darkness and just worship the light. I wanna live in the light. I wanna be transformed. I don't wanna add to darkness and pain and brokenness. I wanna be a person of hope and light. And so it says he guides the humble. Listen, on a daily basis, on a daily basis, I need the guidance of Christ to help me live in light. Without it, I almost always, always end up living in darkness. But God's light comes into us and changes us. Verse 10, how can we surrender? Verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. If we are willing to humble ourselves, to admit when there's darkness, to surrender that, God's light will come in and change us. And it says that all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who are obedient. Man, we can, we have the hope of the world because our God loves us and our God is for us. And it's not some servant thing where, oh, I've got to humble myself so God can whip me into shape and order me around. God loves me and wants me to live in light and hope. So I humble myself. Lordship starts with humility, but God's ways are for us, loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. So number one, God is where we put our hope. We offer our lives, we surrender ourselves. Number two, it's not just enough to light a candle and say we hope that one day God will fix things, but God's hope and light want to transform us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and we can become people of light, which leads us to the third thing, and that's this. Hope is not a passive thing. Way too often, the church likes to come together and proclaim hope. And the church likes to come together and say, we put our trust in God and we will wait. We will get in this bunker and we will wait until God changes everything in the world around us. But that's not God's plan. We put our hope in God. We are filled with the hope of Christ. We are filled with the Spirit. And as God's light shines in our lives, we are meant to become a light to others. God's plan is not for the church to get into the sanctuary and lock the doors to keep all the bad out. God's plan is to fill us with hope so that we can go out and shine the light of Christ to the world around us. We're not to be bunker people. We're meant to be a light, just like we light this hope candle that symbolizes the hope that Jesus brought. We are to be a candle living in the world, Christ's light and hope shining in us so the world can see 
and have the hope of Christ. I talked earlier about um, the Titanic, and um, there were, that, I, I'm sure that was a pretty, uh, I know it was a dark night. I can't imagine, I'm, I'm terrified of being out in the middle of the ocean, and all of these 2,200 plus people were on this unsinkable ship in the middle of the ocean, and all of a sudden hit an iceberg and started to sink. And I think on a Sunday morning, on November 28th, it's easy to talk about hope and say, where do we find hope? And there's nothing really on the line, but man, for those people, you want to talk about a dark situation. There was darkness all around them. And it seemed pretty hopeless, but I want to tell you another story about the Titanic. Reverend John Harper was on the Titanic. Reverend John Harper was a minister who just before this had been in Chicago and had held some revivals and things were so, like he'd been preaching and God was doing some incredible things and so the people in Chicago said, we want you to come back over and hold more revival. And so John Harper, Reverend John Harper got onto the Titanic with the intention of going to Chicago and preaching God's word and bringing hope to others. Listen to his story. The night the Titanic sank in 1912, on April 14th, 1,528 people went into the frigid waters. John Harper, after putting his only daughter on a lifeboat, was seen swimming frantically to people in the water, leading them to Christ before the hypothermia became fatal. Reverend Harper swam up to one young man who had climbed up on a piece of debris, and Reverend Harper asked him between breaths, are you saved? And the young man replied that he was not. Harper then tried to lead him to Christ, only to have the young man who was near shock reply, no. So John Harper then took off his life jacket, threw it on the man, and said, here then, you need this more than I do and swam away to other people. A few minutes later, Harper swam back to the young man and succeeded in leading him to salvation. Of the 1,528 people that went into the water that night, six were rescued by lifeboats, and one of them was this young man that was floating on the debris. Four years later, at a survivor's meeting, this young man stood up and in tears recounted how John Harper had led him to Christ. Reverend John Harper had tried to swim back to help other people, yet because of the intense cold, he had grown too weak to swim. And his last words before going under the frigid waters were, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. While other people were trying to buy Spots on lifeboats were trying to find security and hope in other things. John Harper gave up his life so others could be saved. Man, in a dark situation, a sinking ship, almost certain death, John Harper had the hope of eternity in Christ. When lifeless objects let us down, our hope should be in Christ. And even though he knew he was dying, he had hope because that wasn't the end. He had been transformed by the hope of Christ. And he was doing everything he could to spread that hope to every other person he could. What an incredible story. The hope of Christ had changed him. Christ lived in him, and he shined brightly for others. We are meant to be a light 
in the darkness. We are meant to be a people of hope. We're not meant to be a people that celebrate hope. We're not meant to be a people that talk about hope. We're not meant to be a people that just wait for hope. We are meant to be a people that live hope. We're going to take communion together. So if you haven't gotten your elements, you can grab them. There's some up at the front or in the back. On the night that Jesus would be betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. And in the Advent season, we, we celebrate that Jesus came and took on flesh. And Advent is typically about the birth of Christ, but you see here, there are crowns of thorns. Because yes, Jesus came and was born here on earth as one of us, but Jesus came to give us hope. And in order for that hope to happen, Jesus had to give his life for us. And so he, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, to his disciples, saying, take this and eat. This is my body. Jesus gave his life so that we could have hope and life eternal. Take and eat. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from it, from this fruit of the vine, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I want you to hear what, that, what he said there. He said, This is the blood of the covenant, Christ's blood that was shed for us, the hope that we have is this. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I will drink it again one day with you in my Father's kingdom. We don't just have the hope that Jesus came and paid for our sins to give us life. We have the hope of eternal life. So take and drink. Father, We love you today and we thank you for your great love and grace and the hope that we have in you. Lord, I pray that at the start of Advent, we wouldn't just go through the motions, that this Advent season, as we prepare our hearts, that, that it wouldn't just be preparing our houses and preparing for, for get-togethers and feasts, but that we would be preparing our hearts, that, that this candle of hope wouldn't just be something that we see, but that it would, it would be symbolic of the hope that you fill us with, Lord. And I pray that we would put our hope and trust in you and that you would change us and that you would fill us with your light. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us to be hope for the world around us. Lord, each and every person sitting in here, from the youngest to the oldest, each and every person sitting in here has hope because of you. Lord, we don't want to hoard that. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. We don't want to live in a bunker. We want to live for you. We want to surrender everything. And we want to shine your light to the world around us. We love you, Lord. We give you everything today. In Jesus' name, amen.